You're listening to the weekly sermon of Huntersville Presbyterian Church. We're so glad that you're here and hope that through listening to God's word, you will come away refreshed and renewed for what life has to bring you this week. Here's this week's sermon. Hey, there's a, um, there's a verse, if, if you're reading through the Bible with us this year, and a bunch of us are reading through the whole Bible, and we, we've made our way through the Psalms now, but there, there's a verse in Psalm 37, and uh, when I read it earlier this year, it really, it really kind of jumped out at me again, and uh, my wife Kim and I got, actually got in a conversation over this verse the other day. Uh, verse in Psalm 37, if you've been around church for a while, it might be familiar to you. Go ahead, put it up on the screens, read it with me. Psalm 37, verse 4, just read it aloud. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Say it again. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, if you stop and think about it for a moment, that short little verse, and, and y'all may know it, been around church for a while, probably heard that verse. I mean, if you stop and think about it, it presents a very profound question. What are the desires of our heart? And let me just ask you to kind of think about that for a moment. What is the desire of your heart today? Now, if you were to ask me that and I was to answer real quickly, I mean, my desire, I want to be successful. I want to win, right? I, I, I want to, you know, to, I want things that, I desire those things in my life that will make my life easy and smooth and comfortable and fun. I mean, that's what my heart desires, but if I stop and sit for a while and, and, and I really ponder it and think about it, the, the answers get deeper. And, and I might say, you know what my heart really desires is meaningful relationships. I, I, want, I want life-giving friendships. I want intimacy in my marriage. I, I want to know that my life has significance and purpose. I, I want to know that I'm making a difference. Uh, my heart desires for peace, not just in the world, but I want peace in my heart. And, and I desire that sort of security that takes away all of my fear and, and all of my worries and anxieties. And, and those are good things. And, and even the first kind of superficial answers, there's not bad things, nothing wrong with success, nothing wrong with nice things. But I'm convinced the, the answer is deeper still. And if you sit with it long enough, and you listen to it, I am convinced that the deepest desire of your heart and mine is to know without question, without doubt, to know that we are loved and that we are accepted. And all those other things, you know, everything else, relationships, achievements, accomplishments, success, all of that, those are just kind of our attempts to try to earn or deserve or to, you know, kind of prove that we deserve to be loved and accepted. The deep desire of our heart, if we sit with the question long enough, the really deep desire of our heart is to know that we are loved and to know that we are accepted. And if we really sit with the question, it's to know that we are loved and that we are accepted by God. Now, if you've been with us this year, we, we are making our way, uh, we started January 1, we're going to December 31. We're making our way through the entire Bible, Genesis through Revelation. Some of us are reading every single word during the week, uh, and if you, you want to pick up on that, it's not too late. 
And uh, you can always join us. There are bookmarks in the back or see me, and I'll give you, show you how to get connected to the reading plan. Uh, but then on Sunday mornings, we're just kind of hitting highlights a- along the way. And, and really cool, today we get to move from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Say more about that in a, in a minute. But back in the beginning, when we started January 1, you might remember, in the beginning, it's, and the Bible starts that way, in the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and God created us, you and me, created in his image. Created to enjoy this relationship of love and acceptance with God forever. And life was in a garden and everything was absolutely perfect the way God intended it to be. But then if you've been with us or if you know the story, the the people that God created, Eve and Adam, they turn away from God, they disobey. Sin enters into the world And that sin, it separates us from God's presence. And so even Adam and all their descendants after them, and that includes us, get banished from the garden. And I'm convinced the deepest desire of our heart is we want to get back to the garden. We we want to get back to that love and acceptance. We, We were created first and foremost to be loved by God. We want to get back to the garden to where we are loved and and where we're accepted. That's the desire of our heart. And I'm convinced that Jesus is the only way to get back to the garden. And and that's what we start to see getting lived out as we begin the New Testament and the Christmas story. So we're we're flipping from the Old Testament into the New Testament today. Just so good to finally, you know, be in the New Testament. And and I've said this as, as we've been working our way through. The entire Bible is the Jesus story. From Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation, it's all the Jesus story. But now when we get into the New Testament, the the Jesus part of it is going to get a little clearer. It's going to become a little sharper. Uh, Some of you know this. The Bible begins, the New Testament, not the Bible, the the New Testament begins with four books. Who knows the names of the books? Y'all talk aloud. You're going to have to talk back to me a little bit, you know. Uh, they, They start Matthew, Mark. Luke and John. And a lot of people know that. If you haven't been in church for a while, you've heard Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And um, two of those guys, Matthew and John, were among Jesus' original 12 disciples, and they wrote down an account of his life. Uh, one of them, Mark, was a guy who came along later, but a lot of scholars believe Mark is writing down stories he heard from another disciple, Peter. And then Luke, the, the last writer, Luke was a doctor who decided he wanted to write this careful history about the Jesus story, about Jesus' life, and about how the church began. And so Luke actually wrote two books, Luke and then the book of Acts. He wrote both of those to tell those stories. And, and all four of the books, all four of the accounts of Jesus' life, they're all a little bit different, uh, but they're mostly the same. And they all begin the same way. The the actual official names for them, if you know this, uh, they begin the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And if you've been around here for a while, I say this all the time, the word gospel means, who knows, good news. The, The word gospel has very heart. It means good news. So this is the good news about Jesus according to these four guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the reason it's good news is because in Jesus, we find our way back to the garden. In Jesus, we find what our hearts really desire, and it all begins with Christmas. It all begins with the Christmas story. 
show you that today. Uh, back in May, uh, Tim Keller, Tim Keller was the uh, founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church up in New York City, um, great pastor and author. He, he passed away back in May after a battle with pancreatic cancer. And, and over the years, his ministry, his leadership, the books that he wrote have influenced just pastors all around the world, in, including me. And so I have found myself this summer kind of rereading some of the things that he wrote. And, and I came across this uh, a few weeks ago in, in my reading. And, uh, you may have heard something like this, one of my favorite Tim Keller quotes, and, and it goes like this. Keller writes, he says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we dare to believe. And yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we'd ever dare I mean, think about that for a moment. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we care to admit or maybe even dare to believe. And yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we could begin to ever hope or dare to imagine. I mean, that's good news. You see, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, it confronts our disobedience. All those ways that we turned away from God, all the ways that we hurt other people and we hurt ourselves, the gospel confronts our sinful nature, our flawed nature, but the gospel always confronts sin with love. Because we are far more loved and accepted than we would ever dare to hope. And, and that means there's no fear and there's no condemnation. All that gets replaced by love. God has a plan to deal with the confront and deal with the sin in the world, but God's plan is rooted in love. A love that is deeper and wider and higher and greater than you can begin to imagine. A love that no power in heaven or on earth, not even death itself, could, could ever overcome. And in the Christmas story, we get, begin to see that love put into action. Now, I love Christmas. How many, anybody love Christmas? Anybody else? Nobody else? Some of you don't. Um, wow, uh, we're going to have to talk later. I, I, I love Christmas. Uh, most, people, most people do. Um, bah humbug over here doesn't. But, um, the, uh, you know, and, and if you aren't keeping track, there are 155 days between now and Christmas. Uh, Lowe's will have decorations out next week. And uh, because it seems like we just start every, every earlier every year because we all love Christmas. Everybody loves Christmas. I mean, it's, hard. it's the most wonderful, you know, um, I won't sing Allie, I promise. You know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But you guys know this. It's also can be, for a lot of us, particularly if you've got kids at home, um, it can be the most hectic and the most stressful and the busiest time of the year. 
And it's kind of interesting, a lot of times in the midst of all the busyness and kind of craziness and the stuff that goes on around Christmas, I think sometimes we miss the magnitude of the Christmas story. So it's kind of nice to be able to look at it in the middle of the summer when we're not worrying about what party we have to go to and who we got to get a present for and, you know, when's your dad coming, uh, you know, things like that. Um, so, so it's kind of good to look at in the, the middle of the summer because um, maybe we can catch the magnitude. We all know the basic story, right? Right? Y'all know the, y'all are with me, right? We all, we all know the Christmas story. Let's just kind of see. An angel appears to a teenage girl named? Mary. All right. I got a little energy on this side of the room now. I'm going to talk to the guys over here. So the angel appears to this teenage girl named Mary and says, you're going to have a baby. And he won't be an ordinary baby. Uh, you need to name him Jesus. And then that Dr. Luke, Luke says that, uh, says that Jesus would be great, as the angel said. He'll be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. And then an angel also appeared to Mary's fiancé. His name was? They're again killing you over here. I'm sorry. And the angel tells Joseph pretty much the exact same thing. Uh, one of the disciples, Matthew, and this is kind of crazy thing about Matthew was a despised tax collector. And people go, tax collector? Uh, and then he started following Jesus. He writes the first account that we have in the Bible of Jesus' life. Uh, Matthew said the angel, you know, show, showed up to Joseph, and, and he said, you're, same thing. You're to give him the name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. That sin that Adam and Eve had brought into the world that makes it impossible for us to find the love and acceptance that our hearts so deeply desire. And Matthew goes on to say, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The prophet he's talking about was Isaiah. We looked at him a few weeks ago. The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? You know? Yeah, it's up on the screen. You ought to be able to get that. God with us. Now hold that part about calling him Emmanuel, God with us. We'll come back to that in a minute. But first, you can't forget the shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks by night when who appeared in the sky? Another angel. And, and this angel had good news, gospel, good news of great joy for who? Everybody. For all people. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Mashiach, the Anointed One, the Lord. And then the angel added, y'all know this part, this will be the sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a? You didn't even need that on the screen, did you? And he's lying in a manger because Joseph forgot to call ahead and make reservations. And uh, they didn't have a room to stay. And they got to Bethlehem. Well, it's true. Uh, you know. Sometime later, wise men, magi, show up from the east. Wilmington, maybe. I don't know. And they don't get an angelic announcement. Instead, they followed a Well, you guys, see, y'all know the Christmas story. They follow the star, and the star leads them. to. They're looking for a baby born to be king. And the star leads them to the place where the child was. And Matthew again, Matthew says, they found him and they bowed down. And they worshipped him and they gave him gifts of? 
Yeah, you were a little less confident with that one. I mean, that's, I, just, I, I didn't even have it in my notes. I was just curious to see how well y'all did. But, I mean, we know the story, right? We, we know, oh, golly, we know it so well. We preach it in sermons. We sing it in carols. We have little kids wear bathrobes and act it out in plays. I mean, we, we know the story so, so well. But sometimes I'm, I'm convinced we miss the magnitude of it. About what the story really means. When John, the, the other gospel writer, John, when, uh, when John wanted to tell the Christmas story, he leaves out all the parts with angels and shepherds and wise men coming from the east. Uh, John tells it differently. John goes back to the very beginning. In fact, he opens his Good news about Jesus, the very same way Genesis 1-1 opened. John said, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. I love that verse. Oh my gosh, how much I love that verse. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then you skip down a few verses, and John continues. He said, the word, and what he's referencing here is Jesus. The, the word. Jesus is the word of God. He says, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. Now, if you read this in the original language, Greek, most of the New Testament's written in Greek, a tiny few little parts written in Aramaic, but mostly it's written in Greek. Um, the, what it literally says is the word became flesh and tabernacled, pitched its tent, pitched his tent among us. The word became flesh, pitched his tent to be Emmanuel, God with if you've been with us throughout the year, back earlier this spring, we talked about the tabernacle. The, the tabernacle was this great big elaborate tent, but it was so much more than a tent. It was this holy place that God had created and that God had designated to be the place where he would dwell so that God could be with the people that he loved. And within that tabernacle, within this elaborate tent, God had, had set up a, a way for the people to deal with their sinful, flawed nature that separated them from God. In love, God says, here's how you deal with it. But it, but it wouldn't last. It, it just wasn't permanent. So something more had to be done. And so God, this is the Christmas story, so God sets aside all the glories of heaven. You just got to think about this for a moment and get your head wrapped around it. God sets aside all of the power and majesty and gloria and excelsis deo of heaven and pours himself into frail human flesh. And the only reason that God would do that is because you and I, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we would dare to believe. And yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted than we could ever even begin to imagine. And so God becomes Emmanuel, God with us. 
And he does it all out of love. He does it all out of love. One of the early uh, church uh, hymns, they sing hymns in the church, just like we sing when we gather now. One of the earliest church hymns that they sang talked about how God did that. That's from Philippians 2. The, the hymn goes like this. Ali, you should put this to music. Uh, hymn goes like this. It says, Jesus, who being, it doesn't rhyme though. It says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Some translations say something to be grasped. Not for his own advantage. He, he did everything for ours. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. In love to confront our flawed, sinful natures, God made himself nothing. But just being present with us, it wasn't enough. I mean, just being Emmanuel here with us, it wasn't enough. More had to be done. But because that sin that, that even Adam had brought into the world, it, it separated us from God. It, it separated us from fully realizing that love and acceptance that we longed for, that, that deep desire of our heart, to, to know what it means to be fully loved by God. That's why we got banished from the garden, because the sin separated us from God. And so God had to do what only God could do. And, and so the hymn continues, verse 8. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ died on a cross because you and I, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we would dare to believe we are dare to confess, dare to admit. And yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we would dare to hope, dare to ever imagine. On the cross, God proved to us that he would do anything, even die, to make it possible to satisfy that deep desire of your heart and mine to know that we are loved and accepted by him. There's nothing that our God wouldn't do. There's nowhere he won't go. There's no depth to which he will not descend so that his power and his love and his grace and his mercy can get poured out into your life. So that he can bring a light into your darkness, a, a, a light that the darkness has not, will not, and cannot ever overcome. So that he can confront the sin and flaws in your life with a love that can heal and, and repair and restore and, and make what was dead alive again. There's nothing that he wouldn't do to give you the love and the acceptance that your hearts desire above anything else. To know that you are loved and accepted by the God who created you. And all you have to do is open your heart to receive it.
Just open your heart to receive that love. I talk about this a lot in December. I love history, and I love reading about early church history. All, all history, but I love early church history. And, and when the church was just getting started, uh, and they wanted to celebrate Christmas, they, they'd actually celebrate with three different prayer services. They called them masses. I mean, some traditions still do. They had these three masses to celebrate Christmas. And the first mass would celebrate the, the pre-incarnate Christ, the, the word that was with God at the very beginning, through whom all things were made. And this is what John's talking about when he writes in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The first mass would celebrate Jesus from the very beginning. And then the second mass would celebrate Jesus' physical birth in Bethlehem, to Mary and to Joseph. And, and this would Mass would celebrate, you know, all the things that are part of our Christmas celebrations, angels and shepherds and, you know, wise men all gathered around a manger. And, and this is the part of Christmas that we spend most of, we give most of our attention to this. I mean, this is what we really celebrate when we come to December. And we kind of miss the third Mass a lot of times. Because the third Mass, which they referred to as the Christ Mass or Christmas, the third mass celebrated Jesus' birth, not in Bethlehem, but in the heart of everyone who would open their heart and prepare him room. That's the good news of Christmas. I, I love the way one of the early goths, uh, the leaders in the church um, tent-making missionary named Paul. Love the way that Paul said it. He said, God who said, let light shine out of darkness from the very beginning, let light shine in the darkness. Very same God who said that made his light shine where? In our hearts. To give us the light of the knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Christ. I've always believed there's no room in the end because Jesus never came to be born in an inn. He came to be born in the heart of everyone who would open their heart and prepare him room to receive him. And that's what the celebration of Christmas is all about. Now, here's the best part. You don't have to wait to December the 25th to receive the gift that your heart most desires. To know that you are loved and accepted by the God who created you. You can actually receive that gift in the middle of the summer. Because that gift's available right here, right now, today. You see, God so loved you that at Christmas, he gave his one and only son so that by believing in him, you might not perish. But the desire of your heart to know that you are loved and accepted, that might be realized. And that you might know what it means to live forever with the God who loves you more than you could dare imagine.
God didn't send his son into the world to condemn us, but to save us. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's the Christmas story. So would you pray with me? Lord, every Christmas, we sing that there's joy in the world because you have come. But you didn't come in the way that anyone expected, and you still don't. But you came. You came to bring light into the darkness. You came to confront our sinful, flawed natures to confront that, that brokenness within us and to confront it with a love that transforms us, a love that we can't begin to imagine. Lord, the truth is, if, if we're honest enough to admit it, we are far more sinful, far more flawed, each and every one of us, than we would dare to begin to believe. Yet at the same time, in Jesus Christ, we are far more loved and accepted than we dare to hope. Lord, the invitation as we sing about that joy that gives us hope is for every heart to prepare room. For you to be born, not, not in Bethlehem, but to be born in us. Lord, I, prepare, I pray that as, as we sing that, that carol in just a moment, that our hearts would be open. Some of us here, here in the room, Lord, we, we've accepted that gift. And yet if we're really honest, we, we, we're still so blind to the, the ways that, that we fall short. We're not nearly as good a people as, as we believe we are. Our sinful, flawed natures are, are more than, than we can even begin to, to believe possible. And, and we need to know again that we are loved and that we're forgiven and that your grace and your mercy continue to be at work transforming us day by day, helping to recreate us more and more into the image of you. But Lord, it may be that there's someone in the room today and they've, they've never prepared their heart to ask you to come in and to bring light into their darkness. And they've never experienced what it means to, to be fully known and fully loved and fully accepted by the God who created them. Lord, I pray that their heart might be open as we sing to receive that gift today. We don't have to wait till December to receive that gift today and to know the love and the light that's possible and promised because of you. Lord, thank you that you love us more than we could dare hope or imagine. May, may that love continue to, to change us and may that love overflow from our lives into a world that desperately needs to experience it. May people know that we are your followers by 
your love poured out through us. And we pray all of that, Lord Jesus. We do it in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Huntersville Presbyterian Church. Here at HPC, we believe that life is better with Jesus because Jesus makes us better at life. If you're looking for a church to call home, we would love to share his life with you. To learn more about us, or if you'd like to give online, visit huntersvillepres.org.